0: Being born and raised in Northeast Minneapolis, home of the Minneapolis Arts District and Art World, the nation's largest open-air art event, I've seen it go through quite a few changes. From biker bars and drag racing down residential streets back in the day, to art studios galore, posh condos, and a world-class restaurant and brew pub scene today, Northeast is constantly on the move, moving on up. Here to chat all things Northeast and her own experience, as well as contribution to the rise of this awesome neighborhood, is Margot Ashmore. Let's get into it, shall we, in 4, 3, 2... Hello, art enthusiasts and art lovers. Welcome to episode 16 of Art Wonderful the podcast where art is a religion. I'm your host, Nicholas Harper. I'm broadcasting from my art studio deep within the Rogue Buddha Gallery. That's in the heart of the Northeast Arts District in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to thank you for joining me as we explore everything the arts have to offer. It's the mission of this podcast to spread the gospel of the arts, their essential value to our everyday lives, and to offer a deep dive exploration into this most mysterious of subjects. You can learn more about myself, The Rogue Buddha Gallery, this podcast and those we have on the show by visiting us online at roguebuddha.com. Click podcast from the menu. Before we get into things, I just want to share what's been going on with me and The Rogue Buddha Gallery and what's new in the studio. As always, so much going's on this week. Perhaps the biggest to do was the advent of Artaworld online. That's right, the nation's largest open-air art event went all-in on the digital this year, boasting hundreds of artist profiles, many with online stores, as well as, I don't even know how many, video interviews, performances, and studio tours. While certainly nothing can take the place of an actual, real-life experience with the arts, especially in all of its glory that is Artoworld, with it some 50-odd thousand fans who flood the neighborhood for three days every mid-May, well, the nice thing about this year's iteration of Art of World is that it's not over after the last studio closes on Sunday night. Nope, this is now available all year round. So you can still get in on the action wherever you are in the world and get a taste of what Northeast Minneapolis has to offer. Just head over to NEMA.org, that's N-E-M-A-A dot org, and under Events, click on Artoworld. The next big thing for me this week was the release of the sixth print in the Free Print Friday series. Head on over to roguebuddha.com forward slash print to learn more about these prints and get one for yourself. The one I released this week is called No Birds Allowed, a reference to one of my favorite bands. To learn more about that, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Nicholas Harper Fine art. I'm just starting to ramp up my digital social presence, so to speak, by sharing some behind the scenes and inspirations behind my artwork, so be sure to check that out. And lastly, well, looks like we made it, or at least some of us small businesses anyways. That's right, the powers that be in our fine state have granted us permission to once again open our doors to the public, at least partially. What does this mean for the Rogue Buddha Gallery? Well, as eager as I am to swing the doors wide open and say come on in, I'm going to take this next week to stand back and survey the local business landscape, just to see what is what and what is indeed the best course of action by way of opening to the public. That said, I'm more than willing and very happy to open by appointment. So if you find yourself in our fine neck of the woods this week, do reach out and schedule your very own private viewing of the Rogue Buddha Gallery. Don't mind me if I'm busily trying to swipe down all the cobwebs that have accrued over the past two months. But enough about me. Let's get to the reason for the season today and hear what Margot Ashmore has to say. When it comes to Northeast Minneapolis, Perhaps no one has played a role in so many varying aspects in making this fine neighborhood what it is than today's guest, Margot Ashmore's many things, and has, like I said, played many roles. From being the coordinator of the nation's largest open air studio tour, that again is ArtWorld, back in its early days, to being the coordinator of the Minneapolis St. Paul home tour since 2005. Sitting on the boards of the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District, the country's number one arts district, according to a USA Today poll a few years back. Yep, not going to stop waving that W. She's also on the board of the Northeast Community Development Corporation and of Art to Change the World. Somewhere, she also finds time for her own art, whether it be photography, writing, storytelling, and even taking the stage for stand-up comedy. These are just a few of the roles she plays and has played. But perhaps, most notably, Margot has been the owner and publisher of the Northeastern newspaper since 1981. While the paper covers all things news-related in Northeast and the immediate vicinity, more importantly, it keeps a spotlight on all things arts-related being generated in our fair neighborhood. And there's a lot of arts going on here. So without further ado, let's get into it with Margot Ashmore. Margo, thank you for joining me today. It's an honor. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Northeast and got you started getting involved in Northeast?
1: It it goes back to when I was volunteering as a member of a committee. (laughs) It was the committee of the um, Neighborhood Press Association and I met the fellow who was managing the Northeaster at that time and announced unceremoniously that I was going to be leaving my job at the West Side Voice and uh, giving up on newspapers altogether never wanted to work for a board of directors ever again. And... Uh,
2: <laughs> that worked out for you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> come full circle. Um, yeah, but it's, it's different being, uh, well, maybe it isn't different, being a board member versus being a staff person. So yeah, I, I had said that I wanted to own my own business and that if I wanted to be in my own business, I needed to know that I was able to sell uh something and so i was looking at everything from used cars to i don't know whatever but he said well why don't you you know skip all that and buy my newspaper you know it's too bad that young people are thinking of getting out of the business when old parts like me need to retire (laughs) and um i said well that (laughs) would work you know the rest is history we uh we worked something out where i would um I would edit and sell for him for a couple of months um, as his front person without any kind of announcement about uh, me and my husband uh, buying the paper uh, to give me the latitude to figure out if I liked it and um, yeah, there was never any doubt that uh, we'd make it work, although in the early days, I used to watch the deadline go by and nobody would have bought ads and I'd be beating my pillow and going, why did I do this? <laughs> and then the calls would start coming in. And so, so.
0: Did you study journalism?
1: I did. I have a bachelor's in journalism. Okay. And then as as the years wore on, um, I think it started with really, you know, hearing from a lot of businesses that, you know, things needed to change um you know their their own business success was somehow tied to some greater thing that someone ought to be able to accomplish on their behalf and i got sucked into that paradigm and uh, figured out later that a lot of them were just bitching and there wasn't really anything that one could do to save them but um obviously this is is such a multifaceted microcosm that you really never would get bored um, i I found over the years that i I really kind of wanted to change my job every couple of years uh, mm-hmm. i wouldn 't say that I was bored, but i I was getting there you know and thinking, well okay, then you know i should I should change things up a little bit and and so the the idea of of serving on local causes or celebrations a lot of what i did was celebration oriented and, and that is actually what led me to uh, get the job of uh, coordinating art a world for those three years um you know it it all fed the the mission of economic development at least in my in my mind it did and uh, i think overall community development you know the newspaper has been credited with with uh, with that kind of uh, you know caring and um so you know that's that's really what led me to the the arts district work is still you know seeing arts as a tool of economic development and then as i watched the artist and became more appreciative of the issues in the business of art as well as the process um, you know i got i got hooked on on advocating for all things art and you know they say the most enthusiastic cheer- cheerleader is a recent convert so maybe that's
0: haha. Ha, we tricked you, yeah. <laughs> <I'm here to laughs> you in. well because right. yeah, i guess it's important for people who know or who are listening especially if they're not too familiar with the history of northeast minneapolis people coming into northeast today uh whether they're just moving here or visiting, the Northeast they're coming into right now is way different than it was when you took over the newspaper 40 years ago. Uh, Northeast was a totally different landscape. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like then and versus now? Like it wasn't a a hub for the arts back
1: then. Right, yeah, uh, well, the late uh, representative, Diane Loeffler, described it as being down at the heels. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, I guess it's, it's about all that I've ever known in my adult life. So I don't have a lot to compare it to, but yeah, thinking back, you know, uh, even the, the genesis of of neighborhood newspapers came about mostly in neighborhoods that needed revitalization. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are some like the Hill and Lake press, uh, is in a pretty, um, you know, well healed area. And then there's also a newspaper, the Highland Villager in St. Paul, that actually dates back to the 1950s. Hmm. But it, too, in the 1970s, um, was, was started in the same spirit as the Northeaster, which was, you know, this has got to be the glue that holds people together and, uh, you know, sets the stage for revitalization of various sorts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember as a kid, uh, I was born and raised in northeast and it was uh it was rough you know our my the neighborhood I grew up or the block I grew up on was pretty rough. You could get jumped going to the grocery store uh our neighbors across the street they always had their g t o up on the blocks in their front yard working on it, and then when it wasn't on the blocks being worked on it was being drag raced down the street it was pretty that was pretty awesome actually but but yeah, it was a very different neighborhood,
1: yeah. Um, a historian, Annette Atkins, gave a talk a couple of years ago and uh, commented that that Northeast never got so rich as to tear down its history.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: Yeah, love that too. It explains <laughs> a lot.
0: Because that's important too, Is like, yeah, we've seen a lot of gentrification happening in Northeast and a lot of changes, but um, there's this huge uh, push to hold on to its history and to hold on to its heritage and to not let it get so out of control that it's unrecognizable and something totally different it still has its heart i think
1: i really like the way northeast has developed um without a lot of um intervention you know the free market has done its job
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well as the as the arts started to migrate into minneapolis from in the Northeast from downtown Minneapolis, how did your interaction with the arts begin to coalesce? Or- yeah,
1: so the very first Art of World, unfortunately I can't take credit for being there at the table. Um, Kim Havey, who is now the um, sustainability director for the city of Minneapolis, was working for the precursor of the Northeast Community Development Corporation, it was called at that time, Northeast Economic Development Council. And as a volunteer, I was his boss. And I delegated him to go to those meetings,
2: Oh, funny! <laughs> but he
1: reported back. And um, I, I do remember that as the advertising sales person for the Northeaster newspaper, I was going around to businesses and saying, hey, you got to pay attention to this. You got to support this. You got to take an ad to, you know, encircle this this um, spread of the map and the list of the participating artists and the buildings that they were in, and you know this is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Trust me, you know. And it was like, well, yeah, we do trust you. So uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you were right. <laughs> yeah. You we're right. Yeah.
1: And, um, oh, you know, I tell a story on, on Tommy Cywick, um, Cywick Lumber. Um, I got, uh, I got him to donate the wood and even maybe the construction, I forget just which, but, um, for, for those big sandwich board signs, not the first iteration, but the second iteration of uh, sandwich board signs. And yeah. uh, in our conversation, uh, he said, ah, hey, artist, bunch of pierced gypsies. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> do you know Josh Blanc? He shops here a lot. Yeah, yeah, I know Josh. I said, he's an artist. Here's <laughs> soccer moms, maybe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <funny.
0: laughs> That's awesome.
1: and, and Tom has continued to be a friend of the arts.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's yeah. got his own creative streak. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he son,
1: a... and and his son is or was a graphic designer. I haven't talked to him in some time, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, interesting.
0: So then, how did um, you become a coordinator of Art of World?
1: Well, I had, um, I had, I had decided to leave the day-to-day business of the newspaper, and I was in line possibly to get a job as Central Avenue's first Main Street coordinator, but I lost out on that. And yet I had already formatted my business such that I could leave and do something else. Um, you know, the ultimate in, I'm bored, I'm gonna do something else, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, and Art of World was in need of a coordinator. I applied and uh, as seems to have developed as a pattern in my life now, Um, you know, Art of World is in mid-May, and so they hired me in Mm mid-February, which, you know.
0: (laughs) To coordinate, what, 500 studios?
1: Yeah, well, at that time, see, I think we had a maximum of something like 70 buildings. It's actually more than it is now, maybe. I don't know, I lose track. It's gone up and down. And I forget what the number of artists was, but it wasn't as many as it is now. Um,
0: Can you give a little context as to what Art a World is and how it fits into the Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association?
1: Art a World is a three-day open studio event. Um, My perception of it still is that on Friday night is the night when people tend to come out and visit studios that are run by artists whom they know. Um, it's kind of a more private party night, let's say. Uh, you know, those parties happen after, the, after the, uh, the event closes. Now, of course, none of this is happening this year,
0: but yeah, yeah. We're,
1: we're in the reminiscing phase, right?
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and celebrating then, their, online, their online art world.
1: Right, right. Yep. Uh, and then on Saturday, it's kind of a you all come. Uh, folks will come from all around i mean there 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 is even need for traffic control at the at the big buildings and um and a lot of family events family participation and um shopping buying uh, a lot of people will shop on Saturday, they come back on Sunday and see what's left, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. see if the piece that they really want and thought they wanted, you know, is still available. And if it's available, it's a sign, I'll buy it, you know. Yeah. And then that Sunday is maybe a little quieter, uh, steady, and uh, and the people buy. So this is the one opportunity for many people in the district to. Be open. Be giving demonstrations. Be selling their art, big and small. Um, you know, it is really you all come in terms of the artists as well. Um, I I once remarked that you know I I'm, I make a pretty pretty poor judge but good curator. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> In that with art of world, you know, all you had to have was your. I think it might have been twenty-five bucks back then. Maybe it's seventy-five now or something. You know, uh, yeah. you, you'd pay your fee, and and then the rest was just up to you. It was what you made of it.
0: It's almost like a carnival, carnival feeling. Yeah, throughout the whole yeah. neighborhood now. I think it's over five hundred studios that are open. Um, and Northeast is kind of a different type of art district than most districts because we don't have. A high concentration of art galleries per se. We have a high concentration of working art studios in these large factory buildings. Um, can you talk a little bit about that That difference? Like how our district is different than most?
1: Right. Yeah. It's way more geographically uh, dispersed. Um, when the city decided to designate an arts district, they looked at where all of the bigger buildings were. And so that's where this industrial zone of Broadway to 26th from central to the river came about. And, you know, that leaves out the the more recent a lofts, let's say, and Mm -hmm. whatever is going on in that industrial area that's uh, beyond central. But, uh, yeah, it uh, it is not a gallery district. It's a working arts district. And that's why the slogan of Northeast Minneapolis Arts District is the arts at work.
0: Yeah, yeah. which is actually super fitting for Northeast because Northeast was a blue-collar working neighborhood. So the fact that it's not the glam, glitzy gallery row, it's kind of neat. It's the, no, we're still in our factory buildings, plugging away, making artwork.
1: Right and the logo um which actually the the logo was designed to be the sign it wasn't designed as the logo and then adapted to the sign. now you know here in 2020 what 10 15 years later um the we the district recently had the logo designed such that there would be a horizontal version and a version for social media and yeah. uh, Even in that, you know, I looked at one of the iterations and went, yeah, that building looks a little too suburban. We (laughs) got to fix that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got to break the glass in one of the windows. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: They're all open windows because then the air (laughs) goes through the sign, you know.
0: (laughs) Totally. So that's another thing. Uh, Northeast is kind of different in, I think, a lot of districts because we have the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District and then we have the Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association and you and I posted on the board of the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District can you talk about what that is versus the, the Arts Association what the role of the Arts District is
1: well our most important role in my opinion is to preserve the geography the buildings the rent or the ownership structure you know for the benefit of the artists and community and at the same time, anything that also assists the artist's ability to pay rent. You know, I kind of find myself slipping back and forth between those various modes of thinking. It, it really is a delicate balance. Kind of frustrating to see the whole picture or be discovering the whole picture but not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it needs to be more than conversation. Action needs to continue to come out of the work of the, uh, of the district. And I think that... The group has done an amazing amount of what I hope to, you know, hope will be seen in hindsight as kind of a Shakespearean climax. Those little actions that change the course of history.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So you talked a little bit about the arts district. How was that different from NEMA or the Northeast Minneapolis arts association?
1: Well, we're, we're about the geography and primarily, and then, Secondarily, I guess you'd say about the artists, whereas NEMA is primarily about the artists and not about the geography, except for Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. So how have, how have you seen your newspaper, the Northeaster, uh, kind of change over the years as Northeast has become more inundated with the arts and become the arts district?
1: well we in 2016 started doing the arts insights page with the arts district mm-hmm. and uh again kind of in that greatest thing since sliced bread mode yeah <laughs> we went out to the uh all the businesses in the district and uh and and got advertising to support that page and um and so that's been a nice forum because you know, I think I'll be the first to admit that um, we we have not engaged in art criticism. We don't really do book reports or reviews, um, few and far between if we do, and and mm-hmm. probably not in the same mode that, that one would consider a book review or a restaurant review. Um, you know, kind of with that you-all-come curator sense, um, you know, we will... We'll do pictures of an art exhibit or an art opening, um, and we'll promote them before the you know before the event. But we're we're not really um, you know engaging in a whole lot of criticism, but uh, trying to be a cheerleader for the fact that the arts do exist. And uh, you know I I have on occasion looked at at old copies of the paper before Art of World started and after and seen. I've seen, um, you know, announcements for random art events, and and just comparing the language that we used in in the old days, you know, kind of like, well, we don't really understand this, but we're thinking that you might be interested.
2: Oh, funny! <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> I
1: I think I mentioned I I I, I could probably find. Um, the very first article that I wrote about uh, art buildings, you know, the, the conversion of, of buildings from industrial to art and that Hof hyberg from um, Hillcrest Development was saying, yeah, you know, it's not just funky with a twist. Sometimes it actually costs more, or, you know, it costs more to adapt these buildings than it would to tear them down and build new.
0: Sure. Thank <laughs> God they didn't tear them down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely the arts and art events and reporting on those events, you know, even if it's not in the style of the old art paper or, you know, other art critic magazines and whatnot. um, I think that the mission of the Arts Insights page and and the mission of the Northeaster regarding the arts uh, to begin with was always, you know, to embrace the arts as part of this community and the entertainment value and, and, um, you know, to, to understand process to some mm-hmm. extent.
0: That kind of leads to a more philosophical question, but a good one, I think. What, in your opinion, what what's the value or purpose of the arts?
1: I think that it underpins everything. Um, you know, it's integrated into everything. I, I remember that, I think it was 2002, perhaps, that, after doing Art o World, um, I applied and and got the job of coordinating the Minnesota Retreat for the Arts, which is for teachers of arts. I don't know if it's still going on or not, but um, arts integrated education—it was that was the buzzword then, and and there was actually a lot of funding for arts in education, and so I. I think it, it, it starts there. It's a, it's a universal mode of communication. It is a great equalizer and engager of students who may not kowtow to the military industrial complex that was education. I do think that education has made vast strides in these years. My, my dad is a biology teacher was a biology teacher. He's retired now. But um, yeah. when I was a teenager, he offered a course that was way ahead of its time called Upside Down Biology, or what scientists do when they do their science. And oh. so, you know, from way back then, to me, that was kind of what should be the norm in education. Mm-hmm. And to, to see that a lot of education even in the you know the lower grades is now um you know everything is around a theme you know um art math science and so on you know I'll even take the example of in my 3rd grade class it was all about the pioneers
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: we were in southern oregon at that time and um and they taught all the lessons around a the theme of the pioneers yeah you know why not? Art says the glue that holds them all together.
0: Sure, sure. I kind of wanted to ask you what advice you might have for artists right now, um, both in the current situation with the world being shut down and quarantined, and not being shut down because I'm hoping I'm I'm leaning towards things that are going to get open soon and we'll get back to somewhat normal here soon. That's my optimistic. Creative visualization. Um, so, but for the moment, would you have any advice for artists?
1: Well, and of course, the the situation changes weekly. Um, I kind of wrote some notes earlier on um, from webinars that I attended: American Craft Council and Springboard for the Arts and Surf Plus, which is Craft Emergency Relief Fund. Um, they had three online occasions where more than 500 people participated, I think. And um, it, it wasn't a free for all, it was, it was several speakers and then a chat bar at the, at the side. Um, but some themes that either came out there or that, that I saw for myself is that, you know, it's okay to grieve. A, a lot of the, the first responses were grief. Um, it's okay to pause, it's okay to be unproductive, to clean your house, bake cookies—you know the banana bread thing that we're seeing on online—and and you know to take a day to cook your meals for the week, whatever. And um, I I think that most folks are past that now, but uh, a lot of folks, myself included, who used to work into the evening, um, we're knocking off for good at five o'clock and just deciding to escape, take care of ourselves, you know, whatever, and then you know try to make those daytime hours. Um, matter more i i'm finding that i am multitasking during the day
2: <laughs> no <Yeah.
1: laughs> which i wasn't at uh, at first and then um, walking and other physical movement can really help with the mental processing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we kind of talked about this offline um, in terms of the improv example uh, there's a structure where you have to walk up to the front and deliver a line and that line is inspired by a suggestion from the audience you know things like world's worst you know world's worst lines for this or that you know if anybody yeah. watched what whose line is it anyway you know some of those structures are are similar to what we did in in, in improv yep. and um you know we were told just start walking it will come to you that
2: huh. you know
1: somehow the physical act of walking helps the brain engage
2: yeah and yeah.
1: I'm finding that, you know, it's like if I'm stuck on a paragraph of even a letter, I'll leave my email open and I'll walk downstairs and get a snack. And by the time I'm back up, I'm good to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and other, you know, other advice, um, some are finding solace and um, and purpose in, in things like the service to others, making them face masks, the shields, the you know, the giving of concerts, the putting content online. Um, You know, our friend Ginny Sutton, who does the Art365, she told me that she's been volunteering packing food for Eastside Neighborhood Services, you know, food uh, distribution. Um, So, you know, those who can, you know, that's a great way of coping. Um, As a business owner, I felt that I had to provide leadership and say something, you know, even if I wasn't totally ready, I needed to find the way to, you know, be, be the leader. And, um, I, I talked in the first kind of, you know, publisher's note after the first shutdown, um, that, you know, we are both conserving and investing at this time. So, you know, having to kind of dog paddle where nobody's seeing, you know, that you're, having to save your business like everybody else you know um but then you know to provide some some leadership and you know some so some people are you know finding that that's the way that they're getting through and then uh, some artists have had good luck with um monetizing what they do you know either selling a specific product or um you know, coming up with the lessons that, that people can buy for, you know, teaching their kids or teaching their, you know, for for teachers to then disseminate to their parents uh, to help with teaching kids. Um, and then, you know, there's nothing wrong with changing jobs, you know, if if art isn't working for you right now you know. Yeah, and you quit your day job, well, you know, get a different day job. Um, there's no sin in that, you know. You, you can't help anyone else if you can't survive yourself.
0: Exactly. Totally.
1: Yeah. So I was curious to ask you what you've seen um, in terms of body of artwork that has been generated as a result of the, the virus.
0: I haven't seen a lot of stuff that is directly related to the virus, like, you know, COVID-based art but i've seen a lot of art being created in general as a result of everybody's got this free time so um and a lot of people are sharing it online more so than they would have prior you know everybody is just flooding the internet with content which i think is a good thing um so i don't think i've seen anything specific though Um, other than masks art related masks people putting their art on fabric on and then making masks out of it.
1: Um, Yeah, I I was wondering more about things that kind of communicate that general sense of loss and grief and coping and, you know.
0: I've seen a lot of that. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of people making what they make and I think that that that's just such a natural way to deal with grief and loss anyways. I think a lot of artists are doing that inherently, <laughs> through, for various reasons. <laughs> and this is just like another another little log to put on the flame of inspiration of why artists make artwork. So
1: <laughs> their worlds were pretty screwed up to begin with.
0: Exactly.
1: What's one more?
0: Totally. Don't well, and that's the. There's been yeah. so many great memes about, uh, you know. How is an artist going deal with social isolation? Well, (laughs) it's like any other day. (laughs) We're just alone in our studios anyways. And we're usually awkward, socially awkward anyways. So it's kind of like, well, this is kind of a nice retreat. We don't have to explain why we can't be at some event or (laughs) some function. It's like, oh my god, we have a free pass not to go into the public. socialize yeah, so there's a yeah, silver lining be to everything that, be
1: an inter- it'd be an interesting survey to do
0: that it would definitely definitely you um know, but could- i do know a lot of artists that are starting to uh you know because that's another part vi- that's a again to promote the brick and mortar concept of galleries um that's a vital aspect of the arts is the socializing around it it's one thing to appreciate art online or, or virtually but i think there's nothing that can replace experiencing artwork in person seeing a painting face to face and then that's only amplified all that much more in importance and kind of vibrancy and energetically when you're doing it with other people in the same room and um, the community that's created around artwork is invaluable and i think people i can I get the sense that people are starting to want to, they're feeling pent up. They want to get to gallery shows. They want to get to studios. um, They want to have, you know, the public forums and discussions and artist talks. I think we're ready for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I would agree. There's, I I remember one event in particular that was not in the Northeast area that I went to because I was friends with the the gallery director and went to the opening, and it was so packed that you couldn't really see the art. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, I should come back and actually look at the art, you know. But I I stayed long enough to schmooze with a few people and whatnot, and uh, and when I came back, uh, you know, with no one else in the gallery, I went, this isn't all that great, <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: <coughs> obviously that was not in the northeast arts district
1: no no <laughs> and oddly enough though you know like i i have been to really packed openings at your place and gotten a little claustrophobic or whatever and 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 then come back um but it seems like whenever i come back there's always somebody else there that you're interacting with and that makes it uh you know a pleasant atmosphere and. Kind of takes the focus off of like no, why are you here? Are you gonna buy something? <laughs>
2: you oh, know?
1: Yeah, you, you know you're never like that. Yeah. Um, just going about your business and, and talking to whomever and and uh, you know the the color on the walls is much more accessible than the you know stark white of the you know stereotypical gallery, let's say. And but I agree, people are getting getting like they 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 really want to have a reward for having done their good thing.
0: Oh, totally, totally, yeah. yeah, so you know, while we're in quarantine before quarantine, uh, where were you at with your artwork, and how has it changed now that we're in quarantine, and where do you see it going after quarantine?
1: No, well, good question because I think that I had expressed several times before quarantine that I felt stuck, you know that I was in a dry spell, you know maybe I needed an artist date or something, yeah uh, uh, i I usually find that I get itchy when I don't write something for the paper. Uh, I, I know that I've been writing a lot. I mean stuff you know from emails for the home tour to you know papers for the arts district um, but uh, I, I had not written a good one for a while and uh, now I'm finding that I, I think because of social distancing I'm doing more layout work um, by myself and and maybe that's kind of the substitute the creative expression it's it's highly technical, but there is also somewhat of an art element to it and uh i I used to kind of back clean up and because of some other schedule changes, I have kind of done more of the front end work and so that's a little more creative but um you know and the home tour is somewhat of an art i I did get some good feedback on the on you know the the stories that we put online we we did kind of a a virtual version um so that was taking up my brain and usually does for about the first four months of the year so yeah i'm I'm kind of being kind to myself saying that uh you know "Eh, i'm not doing art anymore um but i'll i'll probably pick up my camera soon Mm -hmm. i i do enjoy taking nature pictures and and uh and you know, I'm a perfect fit for Northeast because I I love that um, you know, rust and dust and
0: <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of that Northeast.
1: <laughs> yeah, finding beauty in it, you know? Yep. Um yeah, and juxtaposition, you know, old with new, uh mm-hmm. signs that don't really, you know, fit. Uh and, and documenting things like, oh, I was looking back on um nineteen ninety nine. Art of World, I actually displayed a, a body of work for Art World and what it consisted of was, back in the days of film cameras, <laughs> we had a 36 exposure roll of film. And we have nine blocks of Central Avenue, which means 18 block faces. So I assigned myself two and only two photographs per block side. I could go back within the block. You know, I could decide what I wanted to shoot by, you know, surveying that block side and going back and getting the shots that I wanted. Or I could just shoot as I went. Yeah. And I was trying to document the little things that you can't see from your car. uh, Things that I thought might change if we deliberately changed some things about Central Avenue. So I was kind of documenting where it was then and, and then, you know, who knows when <laughs> I should have you know post built. I, I I do somewhere, yeah.
0: That would be great to see.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm I am looking for that as I'm cleaning my so you know that that's how I like to use my camera is is kind of that, that documentation of the current condition and um and uh an irony. Um you know, I might I might go out and assign myself to do something like that again.
2: Yeah. And,
1: um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I might do some collage art. Um, I've had some pretty interesting things happen when I've tried to do collage. Um, how's your um, Print Fridays going?
0: Good. Um, good. Every For people listening uh, every Friday and putting out a free print, um that's downloadable from my website and i think there's been five five hundred to five hundred fifty somewhere in there i forget the exact number um download so far so yeah i've given away more prints than i've ever sold so (laughs) that's kind of cool actually it's sad and cool at the same time um but yeah it's more 500 prints have been downloaded which is cool I think I've done four of them so far
1: and tell me your goal in doing that
0: the, the main impetus behind it was to to create something to give away to people to kind of raise their spirits up a little bit and then secondly to um, hopefully demonstrate you know that while being fearful um, or uneasy with things is understandable and okay that just knowing that everything's going to be fine is okay too and so
1: It does relate to, you know, the, my, my list of, of takeaways and, and, you know, regarding the, the lockdown, um, you know, it, it sounds like you kind of fall into that category of leaning in with service to others.
0: Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it uplifts their spirits a little bit. They get some artwork and, uh, creates a little optimism and something to look forward to, you know, it breaks the mundanity of. You know, what day is it today? Yeah. So, yeah. on that note, I think that's a good place to wrap up for today. I want to thank you again for uh, being here, Margot. I really appreciate your time and uh, everything that you've been doing for the arts in Northeast and for Northeast in general. Uh, it's invaluable, and, and I'm happy to share this with the public.
1: Thanks very much for giving me the trip down memory lane.
0: Absolutely. So we'll have to have you back on the show in the near future.
1: See you on the other side. Huh?
0: Okay. <laughs> Bye. I just want to thank Margot Ashmore again for taking the time out of her super busy schedule to uh, meet with me over zoom for this interview. Hope you all enjoyed that, and I know after each episode of Art Wonderful, I'm Jones and to look at some art online. Where might you do that, you ask? Well, let me help you out. MPLSart.com is the most up-to-date and current resource for all things Minneapolis arts related. You can read numerous arts related articles and find out about virtual events going on on the interwebs. They also have an essential directory of galleries linked up so you can visit all the awesomeness the city has to offer. That again is at our good friends mplsart.com. And as I mentioned earlier, Art of World went online this weekend and is there to stay. So be sure to visit NEMA.org, that's n-e-m-a-a.org, and peruse the hundreds of artists' profiles. With over a thousand artist members, there's a ton of art for you to enjoy and fall in love with that again is at nima.org, and of course there is the rogue buddha gallery store online at roguebuddha.com forward slash store here you'll find works by myself as well as dozens of other amazing artists that again is at roguebuddha.com forward slash store And that's a wrap for this episode of Art Wonderful, coming to you from deep inside the Rogue Buddha Gallery. I want to thank you again for joining me, and I hope you do so again and often. And please feel free to share this podcast with your art-loving friends. Until next time, remember, the best life is the creative life, and the best self is the artistic self. Cheers.